we're going to go into a lot of what you do. So if you just want to go, I'm a photographer and business owner. That's totally I, fine. I, sure. I'll, uh, I create things. Okay. Do you want to, how do you want to start? Do you want to, uh, uh you should introduce yourself. <laughs> oh shit. This is not like uh, you go after it's self prompting. <clears throat> well, hello everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm on the radio. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to you and I'm talking to and everybody. And listeners, surely. Right? You're listening to the Can't Sell This Podcast with your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Uh, my name is David Bastido. I'm a photographer. I'm a digital creator. And uh, I'm kind of an independent business person i guess <laughs> i don't know what else you call it no i do a lot of things i wear a lot of hats i do i'll be honest with you i was one of the interesting things was is you'd reached out to me at one point and you'd said like hey i'm working on this thing for my garden and it was like oh, i'm water, still working on it a water sensor thing and it was like so out of the blue for me that you were doing that like i i hadn't any idea that you had that kind of experience you know uh well like you, I think uh, I got tired of working in digital. I worked in digital, have worked in digital and digital marketing uh, for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. That's right. And um, at some point, I wanted to touch and feel things. Yep. And uh, I, actually totally I, started, understand that. I started building these weird interactive sculptures with lights and sensors. That sounds and, super uh, familiar. I had this crazy idea one day and I wanted to build a beating heart that reacted to uh, me. Yeah. And so I built it and I've built, I don't know, five prototypes now, hooked it up to all sorts of different sensors. Right. And then, uh, yeah, I build shit for my garden. I'm a gardener. too. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you take a, you take good care of your garden. I think it's, I think it's one of the things that is, it's important to, feel things like I with digital one of the one of the, my biggest problems with digital and I mean I, I do enjoy I've been getting more into it recently because of COVID and what's going on and, and the direction the company that I work for took but um, you know we went digital so I've had to relearn working in digital because just working in you know sensors and whatnot for experiential it, it's just not happening as much so yeah I can imagine so you know I have, a, I have a, a great appreciation for choosing, I don't know, like I always feel like you do the thing that you love and the, that thing you love may become your job, but it becomes less about work, you know? Everything that I do in that regard has nothing to do with work. Mm -hmm. All about pleasure and creating and mm -hmm. just exploring and, and learning and applying. Well, for, for a time there, you, you talked about doing something with uh, – and I, I may be wrong, but I thought there was something with water keepers as well. Uh, no, I've never worked with water keepers. I know those guys. Okay. They do. Uh, they do live water sensing now. That was what. Yeah, we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, we water talked sensing. about it. We talked about it a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I never. I built like a weather station in my in my uh, house that I have not yet put in my garden. But uh, so the I weather's done identical the every day. Pardon me? <laughs> the weather's identical every day yeah, <laughs> sitting well. in your house. <laughs> well, I build things. I never finish them. It sounds familiar too, actually. I, I have a problem with finishing things, and I'm trying to finish more things. Well, you know, we just you make know. the, we <laughs> I make the effort, that. I guess. So here's the, here's the thing as well, in that up until like a couple of years ago, I was, or, you know, however long, I was unaware that you were a photographer, Right. So this is, and, and, and I don't know if it's just because, you know, we fell out of contact. I mean, when I knew you, we were no, you know, lingo and flash developers. And then you started 10 plus one with a couple of guys we know. And, yeah. And right. We way back in the day. You know, this is, you know, and so like way back in the day. And I didn't know at that time, obviously you're taking photographs. Well, okay. So this is what happened. I started taking pictures when I was in grade eight. I learned how to develop pictures in a dark room and my mm -hmm. parents gave me a black and white film camera for Christmas that year. And they gave me a dark room 
And mm. I spent my entire teen years in my dark room taking pictures uh, or playing pool. Uh, <laughs> but between those two things, I, I didn't go to a lot of school and I did that. And then right. I kind of got into computers and then the transformation between digital and analog happened. And camera of uh, taking pictures, unless you were going to spend a lot of money on digital gear, it wasn't really worth it. So I kind right. of put the camera down. And then around maybe 1997, my girlfriend at the time gave me a digital camera for Christmas. Okay. And I started taking pictures again. And eventually I got a job building a website for Hugh Dillon of the Headstone. Sure. Yep. But he was uh, independent and he was working, uh, his band was called the Hugh Dillon Redemption Choir. And Paul Langlois of the Tragically Hip had produced that. And I'd met Paul a bunch of times. And I think a year, a couple years later, anyways, uh, I got a job with the Hip in around, I don't know, 2005. Okay. And as part of that, I said I wanted to take pictures. I need content. And I spent a lot of money that uh, I'd earned on the job. I just blew it all on gear and I bought a, a digital camera, a nice camera and some lenses and uh, a video camera. Is actually what was the original about. job that you were doing for the hip then? Before uh, a new website. A new website. <laughs> <laughs> David, and we'd, ironically, like you to make, we'd like you to make a website. That's fine, but I'm going to take a bunch of pictures. <laughs> basically, that's what I said to them. And I, I took pictures, and I, I actually um, I bought a video camera, and I spent years making videos wow. and following them around and taking videos. And then uh, over time, I kind of switched to uh, stills from video, right. but I did them both. And uh, on the final tour, I did uh, video for CBC. Right. And stills uh, as well. Well, I mean, that obviously the hip is going to be a, a big part of this conversation. But, um, you know, when I, I visited you um, last summer, was that the last time I saw you? Was it last summer in the fall yeah. or something like that? And, and you had set yourself up with a You've got a really great photo printer that does big, large format photos. And you had started this new project called Live Art. Live Art, yeah. So I started Live Art, I think about three years ago, technically. Um, but it was basically uh, a—it's basically a company, but it's a platform that I was envisioning uh, a fair model between photographers and bands to mm -hmm. share money and earn revenues that was uh, fair for both parties. Right. And uh, through that, I uh, signed a deal with the hip and I licensed photos and I sell licensed photos uh, of the tragically hip and I pay them royalties. And I uh, have one photographer, Richard Bellin, who amazing uh, photographer and he did a, a bunch of the first part of the hips career okay and I licensed a bunch of images from him and I sell some of his images as well and then it kind of went off track in terms of signing up other bands but Got and now busy. COVID hit so well it's, it's yeah but it's still running I designed packaging and I made like laminates with serial numbers I designed a whole back-end system I got a barcoded so I run this little operation from my home and uh, yeah. it's, it's, uh, well, it, I mean, listen, it, it's interesting how we, we, we tend to shrug off skill sets a lot. We, we, you say I did this thing and yeah, right. I run it from home, but the, the level of the number of skill sets required to do the thing you did, regardless of whether or not you want to shrug it off, it is, it is, it's sort of a hallmark of, of both the nineties kid and the two thousands developer, you know, like you had to learn to take care of oh, in the nineties. So it was like, you, you know, you grew up, you're born in the seventies and you had to take care of yourself until dark. And then, you know, in the eighties, it was, you know, you're sort of figuring yourself out the nineties, you're an adult and, and you're, and you're learning to take care of yourself. And it's, 
to me, it's it's sort of the hallmark of our generation in that. And I, I, I without disparaging any other generation, but it was like it was like we always kind of sort of have the middle child of <laughs> of the world. Like, yeah. you know, well, we I had am a middle child, but yeah. I'm a middle child too, Are so you? it's fine. Yeah, but it's like you had to learn to take care of yourself because no one was going to do it for you. So, the, like starting live art, even the concept behind it is like you took care of it because no one was going to do it for you you know well that's the thing i had signed a deal we'd signed a deal and i personally felt that i was getting shafted and i'm Mm -hmm. like there's got to be a better fucking way yeah i can make more money fucking selling them out my back door but that doesn't really work for either because you know i need them to help me sell pictures and 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 they want my pictures and my revenue and yeah if if there's a middle ground then it works and like we found a middle ground and and it's worked great i uh i'm kind of i'm proud of it it was uh you know i designed packaging the concept i went out and had to do the powerpoints and sell it in to a bunch of different levels of you know people Mm -hmm. make it all happen execute it well, I mean, this is this is you know a, a testament to, I think, your willingness to go through something that probably isn't something you enjoy doing. You know, the business no. aspect of stuff. It's like going like I, I made a PowerPoint and I did presentations to people that make decisions about money. You know, like right. I, I, you've always been at. I was trying me. to get the Nickelback. I had to do. It. <laughs> I seriously, Nickelback was my ultimate, my penultimate uh, act. <laughs> No, I'm serious, and I I, I made you. a I, I made I, a fucking I, PowerPoint for Nickelback. <laughs> I honestly thought you're you're using some uh, euphemism for getting money. You're trying to get a Nickelback, <laughs> not literally Nickelback. No, literally. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm gonna have to. I wanted this to is, sell you know, Nickelback's Nickelback photos all over the world. Yeah, and were they not having it? I don't know if it ever got to oh. them. It turns out they don't like PowerPoints. There's always a lair, right? Oh, there's always someone in the way. Oh. Someone wants a cut. There's always someone. Well, yeah. you know. That's what I've learned. You know, I think one of the things that, that is is really interesting about it, and, and part of it is, and I, hopefully the people listening will, will go to the show notes and go to the link and check out live art, because the, the photography is just incredible. And I, and I think that, there is in, in a world in which we are used to easily consumable and fast food versions of photography. It is, it is a rare gift to see someone with a, a, a true eye for, for composition and, and, oh, thank and, you so much. And, and moments, you know, especially with live music, like getting a, a good moment is very difficult. Well, that's, I don't know what it is. I've been to a lot of shows now all over the world. Those guys took me, the hip took me all over the world, as I like to say. And, uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it isn't just, it isn't just the hip. I've seen you. No, 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 I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it is. I just, uh, I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is like, like, whenever you share a photo and you have the story behind it of saying like, Oh, I, I, the, this person, the trues or Sarah Harmer or whomever else, like it's always, it's such a well done moment in time. And do you, is that for you? Is it, is it, is it just, is it thanks to years of going to shows and well, being behind partly, the lens? I mean, for music, partly it's, it's, going to shows and understanding the lighting and where to be and i mean even how to fucking walk through a crowd with a camera mm-hmm. and get from right. uh, a to b no i'm serious i right? believe you <laughs> but that is years of just experience the eye is the eye and the 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 camera is the camera right yeah. uh yeah. those things don't really change uh more the eye and the skill and you put it all together and you get what you get mm-hmm. um I don't know. I feel like I worked at it. I feel like I worked at fucking everything. Nothing yeah, I don't yeah. think comes that easily. I didn't say, I didn't, I, I, that's what I mean. Sorry. I don't mean that anything was easy for you. I, I think that it shows a, a great a, a amount of experience. No, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm just admitting like, it's like <laughs> nothing comes easy to me. I don't think I have, I have seen in the past few years, a number of my co- peers like, all of a sudden be like, I'm taking photos at live shows. And I'm like, 
<laughs> oh, okay. You know, and, and, and it's like maybe one out of five photos is good. And it's not, it's just, it just feels like they jumped the gun or they, they were a little late or, you know, but you've got some iconic, I mean, as far as the hip goes, you have probably the most iconic photo um, of Gord Downey with the Jaws shirt and the hat or the, you know, the, the wave at the end, like the, you just have, you just have these moments that uh, it really just comes down to having that instinct, you know? Uh, yeah. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Did I ask I, a I yes mean, and no question? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say about that. I, I mean, I really enjoyed doing it. It was a, it was a, you know, a thrill. It was, uh, well, like working with the hip aside from all the other stuff. I've, I've photography has enabled me to meet really interesting people and be in really interesting places. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and open doors that you could never have possibly thought that a camera would open. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's yeah. kind of random. Like these things are ran- and and going back to the hip, like it was a springboard for so many things, even digitally. Yeah. I got hired. Uh, I spent two years in Detroit uh, going back and forth, working with Ford Motor Company uh, because of my work with the hip and because the guy was a fan of the hip and saw my work and, Right. It took the time to look me up and came and met me and offered me a job. Right. Like weird. Never would have <laughs> expected that. And it was from a, a, an email that came in that said, who did your website? I like uh, it. And somebody yeah. said, Oh, it was this David Vestito guy. Oh, and I responded. Oh, I it was you. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I resp- I was getting the emails. I responded. I'm like, tragically. <laughs> glad you like it. Thank you. <laughs> it's been, thanks for and the two years of employment. Yeah, that started. Like a year's worth of work. Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, we are, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, we're probably not even halfway through in this case, but do you, oh, do you feel you'll be able to, Hey man, listen, I'm, I'm being realistic here. Um, it's not like you're living hard, you know, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm you have living, your garden and I'm living, I'm living so, in the, the safest I, place. Um, I'm on an island. Yeah, you're on an island. I was on an island a month ago, and I, I gotta say, like, if I could just stay there, that would have been okay with me, you know. Yeah, I'm and I mean, very... you know, you know, Dre LeBray, Dre LeBray, yes, yeah. you know, has a cottage on an island, same sort of thing. Has he parked himself there for a while? Well, I don't know if he's still there. The last time right. I talked to him, he was there. As far as I can tell, he's probably going back and forth, but maybe not quite yeah. as regularly. Um, he's got good internet. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's usually the big deal, right? After yeah, sure in this day and age. Um, do you? Okay, so the the question: Do you do you feel that the live art project is going? It's self maintaining at the moment. Are you going to like try to get it back? That's part of the part of the challenge, right? Yeah. What to do next? I mean, for a lot of people, what to for do sure. Next? Um, I think there's a model there, mm-hmm. whether I want to pursue it or not much past my own stuff right now, I'm going to wait and see. It might be a good time to do it actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, how much did you fire. enjoy, how much did you enjoy the fulfillment part of things? I mean, Oh, it was really great for the first couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> And then after you had to do it uh, regularly, yeah. um, it wasn't. It's okay. I don't hate it. I just think. I just think like you know, having with with libs selling fabric and patterns and stuff like the conversation of I got to buy more ink for the printer. I I have to buy more bags. Well, I have to buy. You know, I have to make this, and then I, I have had, to get a pickup. And I had custom packaging design. I didn't want to roll up my images. So my, I, I spent a lot of time making really nice prints and I didn't mm-hmm. want to fuck up the prints. I, yeah, I, put, I love put your them prints. In cardboard. I put uh, paper over them. I put them in a bag. They're all hand stamped and numbered. Mm-hmm. And then I had that, like a cardboard thing design and I had to get like hundreds of each. I have two sizes and I had to get <laughs> hundreds of them and you can't, 
fold them up. So I had the, imagine like a big plus sign. Yeah. Like cross in my living room, like three feet high for six months or however long it was until I got rid of enough that I could like move them. Oh my it's God. Ridiculous. And now I am running out and I have to, I have to decide if I want more and it's the storage. Ugh. Like I have a storage locker filled with, I've had, uh, I think three exhibits, photography mm. exhibits of hip work over the years. Yeah. And I do limited edition prints. So I generally frame one. And if I don't sell that one, like that's the first one, I don't sell it. I keep it and I put it right. in a box. And I, I have like 75 frames <laughs> in boxes. Oh my God. That I haven't sold as part of an exhibit. There are a bunch of hip fans. If they're listening right now, just going, what i know know? well i have a basement filled with prints i know listen i've I've been in your basement and it is it's as a as a long time hip fan it is one of those places where you go this is lovely i just want to stay in here and drink tea i know i just partly want to move on right (laughs) yeah that's the the thing i gotta i live i live with it well you know here's the here in in I am I am really curious about this perspective and and that you took probably you took a really interesting photo of a hug between Justin Trudeau our prime minister and Gord Downey the lead singer of the hip and um it was a very tender you know it was a it was a it was a very tender hug and there was a, there felt like a lot of lot of emotion in it you know and I mean I it could have been entirely stage but it didn't seem that way and, and you described it as something that you go as, as a person who's been hugged by that man i know what it's like to to feel that you know and I am, uh, I, sorry I'll let you finish. no i'll let you finish sorry. well here's the here's here's my here's my thing is that you've then followed up and got to meet um justin trudeau and give him that print i did and, and there's a photo of you Showing him the print, right. and it's. I, 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 I My wife was there. He almost cried. I just can't. Uh, you know, I can't imagine. And then there's Paul giving a hug to Paul. Yeah. And that's Johnny. He hugged everybody. <laughs> that's just what I had on my Dropbox. Was he a? Um, was he a? Is he a failure? Was he a big fan when you were there to witness it? Was he? He was, it, a, he, he was a big fan. He'd been yeah. in a lot of hip concerts. Wow. Wow. Uh, and the funniest thing about that particular photo that nobody knows, I'm just looking for, I don't know if you can tell. You see what Gord's holding in his hand? No, I can't tell what that is. Sorry. Those are his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Like Gord's literally, not wearing pants. Gord isn't wearing pants in that fo- in in that no. s- scenario. Like like Justin no, walked in, pro- he was like, "Listen, I don't have any pants pro- on. I'm gonna the hold." Prime Minister showed up early. Gord was in a room next door getting like a his body worked on. Right. And the Prime Minister, they knock on the door. The Prime Minister's on his way, and Gord comes out, and he's got like some shorts on, and he's holding his pants. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he met the Prime Minister. I think as as Canadians of a certain age, we all have our little tragically hip stories. I I, I can't get over that that yours is is such a long and and interesting one. Uh, my own is that they played my high school when I oh, was, nice. you know, in the in the um, gosh, it would have been ninety nineteen ninety or nineteen eighty nine or something like that. You know. And I remember being at the dance going, who are these guys? Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Like, this, is, this is like, this is, there's no video. There's no first album. There's nothing. It's just, it's just a bunch of jerk offs from Kingston. Probably <laughs> playing covers. I don't even remember. I mean, it, it, you know, like it's that kind of history. Everybody, I think everybody of a certain age with the hip have. And, and um, you know, I think you may recall, but the night of the last show, as I was watching it, at the very end, as they're walking off, I caught you patting Gord on the back, like giving a little tap. And I took a screenshot of it and sent it to you. And I said, I actually was completely unaware. I don't think I took it. I don't think I thought about the effect, the emotional effect it would have on somebody who'd had a lengthy friendship with, with these guys um, and, and, and the relationship you did have and what emotional impact that might have on you to have gone through the entire tour, right? Like you were there for every show. 
Um, yeah. Happy, so, sad. Happy, sad, you know? And I, I, I keep thinking about, because we're friends on Facebook, or people like asking you about tickets. And all I could think was like, how not cool for you know you're in this like this tour was such a very different thing like it wasn't like it wasn't like an average show so like no there was nothing average about it at all it was it was heart-wrenching to watch as a as a fan and it must have been very very difficult as a as a friend uh yeah and and i mean you'd come across friends in the hallway crying and then you'd give them a hug and you'd both stand there for 30 seconds and then you both go off and do your job yeah and, and you kind of uh showed your emotion but held it in mm-hmm. yeah. oops yeah uh you know uh, it was it was surreal very much how it long was, was the how long was that tour uh well I think it was 20, it 23 shows and they played every other day. So it was probably five, six weeks, probably five, five-ish weeks. Right. In the end. Man, machine like post. two shows in Vancouver. Anyways. Yeah. All right. It was, I, I don't know how Gord did it. I mean. Yeah. Because <laughs> he wasn't in good, he wasn't in a good spot at that time, eh? Like uh well he was in a better spot than before but i mean there was only one road yeah for gord Mm. i mean i think what's what's interesting is he then he devoted time to the downy wenjack um or maybe that was part was that before that was that that was before and after downy wenjack i mean that's all he did after yeah i want to share that because it's i I don't know when he set it up but it was after when he spent all of his time on it it was pretty much the most important thing and he did an album like he did a lot he did the like after the final tour we did the uh downy wenjek tour which was all the rehearsals in uh huntsville and then there was a show in ottawa and then there was a show in toronto Mm -hmm. and those were I mean, unbelievable. Right. Uh, that those were powerful, emotional shows of a different, a different kind. They changed people's lives. Yeah. Uh, for a different way. Right. I mean, Gord had a way of doing that, I guess. I mean, you know, <clears throat> the the fact that he started the whole thing based off of, um, based off the story of this boy. You know, like it's yeah. It's he, and, he and his brother had been working on it for quite some time, and then uh, they got the animator um, Jeffrey Lemire, Lemire, and he did just the the animated uh, movie, and then the uh, it's not a comic book; it's a graphic novel. Okay. <laughs> and uh, spectacular. The illustrations are spectacular. It all came together. Yeah. And then the live music, just how it all, uh, I don't know if you saw any of the live performance, but the projections uh, with the music were just phenomenal. No, I didn't actually. Yeah, so there was, there was projections from the, uh, what became the, the, video the movie the movie uh during the live performance and it all was sort of melded together oh wow and it, that had it, never been they had never tried it until huntsville like they just kind of all in the nick of time and sorry was was that sort of the inspiration for your 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 spoken word concept of um uh, so i did i did a um fundraising performance at the tet center in kingston and um it was sort of my inspiration my my friend joanne langwell who's uh married to paul uh does fundraisers for a variety of programs in kingston she was doing one um for the hospice and she had two nights booked and the first night she had the sky diggers play and she wanted to do something a little bit different and i had done a uh just a talk 
I guess, on uh, my experience with the hip. Mm -hmm. And she asked me if she thought, if I thought I could turn it into something a little bit bigger for a fundraiser. And I thought about it and I said yes. Mm -hmm. And then I spent a couple months writing a piece that involved like a, a spoken word piece that involved music. And then I asked a lot of the musicians that I knew that had played with the hip, if they would perform uh, songs. And I asked them what, I asked them if they would perform a specific song. And I told them why. And then I put, brought it all together on the live stage. And I think we had, uh, I had 11 songs. Yeah. Played by, uh, I had Chris Coster from The Glorious Sons. I had um, this part of the Sky Diggers. I had Sarah Harmer. I had uh, Jim Bryson, uh, mm -hmm. Paul Langwa, Gord Sinclair from The Hip. And I'm probably missing someone. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible night. And uh, we did it once. I did a photography exhibit. And then uh, I think the entire piece was about... Uh, two hours and 10 minutes with music. Wow. And then um, we raised over, I think, $125,000. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I don't like, I, I think I use the word amazing a lot, but really it's, that's, that's inspirational. It's not just. Oh, I know. And I had Andrea Nan, the dancer. So I had a video oh my God. of Andrea Nan that she had given me in dancing to a piece by Gord Downey and Gord oh, okay. taking me to see an Andrea Nan dress rehearsal rehearsal for um, a dance that she had done around his music. So I had all, all these different elements. Jim Bryson played uh, keyboards on the World Container Tour. Uh, Chris Coster uh, is uh, David Coster, who's Billy Ray. He's the hip's guard um, technician and, and uh, stage manager. Okay. His brother, and he plays in the Glorious Sons and their bands from Kingston. Uh, it was just crazy. And then... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I timed it all to images. So I had maybe 125 images, all timed to the story with music, and the entire uh, story was one piece. Right. With the music. So it was sort of like, uh, I don't know. A good night. It was a good night. It took me, <laughs> it took me three months to write, probably. Right. And oh then uh, I did one rehearsal on stage with no music. And then, yeah, we did a lot. And are you typically comfortable uh, speaking in front of people? Uh, I've done it before. Mm -hmm. I don't mind doing it, but I've never done anything like that. Right. Because that's, it's quite epic. That was a full, that was like a full. An orchestration and. Orchestration, theater. It was like money involved, sponsors. Yeah sponsored by you know a pot company and i don't know who else right uh a uh, bunch of kingston businesses you know i never thought about doing anything like that and then i just i got asked to do this thing and then i wrote it and i was like fuck i've spent a lot of time on it it's pretty good <laughs> to, to, be a, it? to be a one-off it's hard you know like it's hard i did a talk <clears throat> in brighton a number of years ago and i remember someone going like that's the best talk i've seen one you do but the best talk i saw this year and i thought i don't i don't know how i can ever do that talk again because it was just it was that it was in that time it was in that moment i everything aligned correctly i was just ready you know and I had probably like you you rehearsed it a, i rehearsed my talk 25 times before i got up on stage you know i um well i was writing mine until the day before <laughs> So we're different people. <laughs> but I rehearsed, no, but I rehearsed it a lot. I actually as you were writing it. Yeah, and I, yeah. I I write to the way I speak, and I rehearsed it out loud to a click track. Okay. And I did different sections because it was an hour and fifteen minutes. I couldn't. And I what I started doing is I just start at the beginning, <laughs> and then I found I just did the beginning all a lot and the end not very much so right. i had to switch it up and figure out how to do different chunks and then 
put it all back together again. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, as, as someone who's done a lot of public speaking as well, it, like when you, do, you when like you do it? it, yeah, I'm fine with it. <clears throat> I, I enjoy it. I mean, I, I'm doing a, a podcast in which it's me talking and I, I need to hear myself talk and I need to be okay with the things I ask. And yeah, you know, I've gotten used to it. You know, like this is. That comes with being an adult sometimes too. <laughs> Don't call me an adult, man. That's just mean. <laughs> Um, no, <laughs> but I was thinking about the fact that, you know, when you said I, I was finding I was doing the beginning so much, I knew it and then I was not doing the end all that much. You, you start to, when you do talks, you tend to try to run through all the way, try to run through all the way. And then there is a point when you start to recognize that you have prioritized the beginning unintentionally and the beginning tends to be nothing at all. It's just you getting into it, you know? So like the, the meat of it is, is a bit further down and you're like, man, I've run through the beginning like 35 times, but 15 minutes in is sort of important. And 45 well, minutes the other, in is... other thing happened is they put an intermission in. Oh my God. <laughs> so then I had to deal with an intermission. I'm like, well, fuck. Now I have to like, <laughs> I have to have a beginning, middle of an end. And then I got to start a beginning, middle of an end again. And oh, I got to wrap boy. it all up. And I had to like really... And it was metaphorical and it was very emotional. And, sure. and uh, so I started with this video, which broke. Oh, God. <laughs> my video went down. <laughs> and, uh, and then that was like the, the moment when the crowd disappeared. Apparently, <laughs> that was. <laughs> you hit tunnel vision just, and it was so was I the had tunnel vision talking to my stage manager. Oh, my God. Me and him going, no, yeah, mm -hmm, okay. And then we got it. <laughs> and then oh, it was. And then I just went and it was fine. Oh, that's but, good. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, when it, when everything hits, it's a good feeling. Do you see, do you see yourself writing some manner of performative show? You know, I really enjoyed it. I, I would do it again about, I, I would do it about a different topic, but I would that's do what it. I mean. Like, it, yeah. To, to the like, extent, because because you talked you talked extensively about the performance part of part of it when we when you and I talked about it after you'd done the show in Kingston, um, we talked about your show and what could be done to to enhance it. Oh, you know no, what I mean. I there's a lot that can be done to live performance uh, and to make it more interesting, and and I find it kind of fascinating how you can bring in different aspects yeah and it, you know there was a, a video on the movie network that i saw that really inspired me and it was something like i got it. it i got it because oh. it, it's this whole it's a guy named johnny donahoe the show is called every brilliant thing that's it you're way off <laughs> <laughs> that's why you couldn't find it 100 it things it, to live for <laughs> like a, there, there's a list of things that he wrote yeah yeah anyways it was really good so this is it well this this is awesome because there's actually a five minute talk uh, about it on npr oh there you go so Thank this you. is no you're very welcome you know what i, I didn't know i was gonna i didn't know that was gonna come out of my this mouth is how good i am at googling comedian right? show depressed mother <laughs> and, it, and it was at least I got the depressed part right it was the second link the first link was Sarah Silverman plays mother with depression and it, it came up you just need to know how to you need to know how to massage the, the algorithm right. <laughs> um, what, what's your next um, what's your next plan for or idea for sensors and, and what, I know you're working on a greenhouse uh, I know I'm, I want to do this um, I still need to finish my original idea, which got me started in uh, interactive sculpture, as I'll call it. And the idea is thus. I was walking down the street, and there was a, just construction hoarding on a, a building mm -hmm. in front of a streetcar. And I laughed because I had this idea of putting a beating heart on it that when someone was standing at the streetcar, a sensor picked up that people were standing there and it would beat faster and it would have an apex of low beat and a heart and a fast beat. And mm -hmm. right at the apex, right when the heart is about to have a heart attack, it plays, I can't get enough of your love baby by Barry White. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can't get enough of your love, babe. Um, and, and that's the only part I haven't done. The music. The music part? Wow. Yeah. You can't feel bad about that. That's okay. But, uh, yeah. So I, I'm into these beating hearts. I, uh, they're kind of these sculptures that have accelerometers in them. So you, when you pick them up, they change color. And mm -hmm. I've hooked up um, like a heartbeat monitor to it. And... Uh, I just uh, like a, I don't know if I have one, like a, a LED, not an LED, uh, infrared detector. Okay. Range detector of sure. various sorts, which I wanted to trigger it, but it's kind of ugly. Hmm. So I just haven't decided. How what, to wrap it? Well, I just don't know how to make it nice looking. <laughs> Well, if there's anything you're proving, it's the stuff you do is nice looking. That's, I don't see, know about that. That's, called a, that's a callback. That's a callback to... Where's one? This is my latest... I know this is an audio program, but this is my latest sort of prototype. That looks good. Yeah, not bad. Eh? With no sensor. This just has an accelerometer in it. Oh. And it's got a, a string. It's a heart with a heart. And uh, I made a resin mold, and I cast the resin, and and the resin oh. is what's filling the void. So yeah, it's hollow, and then yeah. there's a, uh, LED lights inside, two strings, one pointing in that that lights up the heart, the heart, like where your heart is, and then there's a, a string that points outside that lights up the outside on the, and the perimeter, middle, correct? And it then uh, a string on the back. And it's all so externally for my powered. Back feet, it's all external powered right now, yeah. Get that running off like, a little little lipo, but it won't last very long. Put it on like low yeah, energy right. and then just like <laughs> lipo, lipo battery, just a small. Yeah. Anyways, that's just I play with that shit. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> Man, listen, uh, you know, I think I think if I love it. You don't. Yeah. I mean, that's the point, right? Like, if you don't pursue the things that interest you, then you're essentially doing the things that someone else wants you to do. Correct. I'm not afraid to fail at a lot of things. And uh, <laughs> I fail a lot and I learn a lot from my failures and they feed into my successes. That's well, the way I look at it. There you go. There you right? go. You can't be afraid to fail. I think, yeah, I, I, yeah. And when, when I think about it, it's always, it's always about accepting that, the thing you're doing may not be failure. It's more about learning. Yeah. I felt um, that about my last 20 years. If, if I'm learning something and someone wants to pay me for it, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny. My first creative technology job was with this company called wonder maker and they hired me off of a conversation that they said they followed me on Instagram and watched me making a two axis plotter that I made at a foam core and, at, oh. and and the conversation was them going, we just, how did you figure that out? And I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, like one step at a time, you know, that's all I get. They, like, I don't, I didn't have like, but of course during the interview, I didn't, I didn't do a, a good answer off. though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I well, the, the two axis plot the, is, is the, the, is the basis behind like, it's just the basis behind laser cutters, the basis behind CNC machines, the basis behind 3D printers. Two axes are the X and Y. So as soon as you see it working in one position, in one situation, you can extrapolate how to make it work in another. And did you find, do you find that like your flash and gaming making experience, I don't even know what you call that, what we did, uh, help? Sounds right. Uh, it does more... Uh, for strategy and 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 user experience and experience design, like you know, when I'm I do a lot more pitching now. Yeah. I, I I come up with ideas for people, yeah. um, and it helps to have had that length of experience in building things that didn't exist. So now I, yeah. you know, it's easier to think of. It's not as daunting to think of a thing that doesn't exist when you've thought of a lot of things that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> you know? There's it, a lot of them. A lot of the things that, that people like you and I think of don't really exist. So what I like to do is I 
kind of draw it out. I do a lot of doodling and drawing and a lot of arrows and a lot of yeah, yeah. I actually I write I write long form. I write oh, yeah. I write a oh. whenever I have a, a a concept or an idea, I will write it out long form for myself um, and treat it like I'm writing a story. And then when was, I, go ahead. Who is this marketing guy in? Um, Detroit that I came across his name is John Bell and he was a professor at uh, maybe a big university I think he was based out of Washington DC okay and he told everything in a story and right. it, was, it was phenomenal he was not my favorite person but he <laughs> he had really good taste in music right and he told these incredible he the way he turned everything into a story was yeah. incredible but uh yeah that's all i'll say about it <laughs> I, want, I yeah i mean everything Mark, turns Mark, into i mean the, the idea turns into a it starts as a story because i need to understand all the steps involved in the in how to make that thing if i just draw it then i've decided how it's going to look way too early in my oh yeah, yeah when i say draw like for me i can't draw stuff like that right. i do like flow charts oh when yeah I, okay i mean more flow charts like, like user flow, flow and things like that yeah, that, yeah just, i could see that and too lists, a lot of lists oh yeah no like that, like a that lot first of, like, little descriptive yeah five attributes yeah exactly box around it. It, it, it it's and it's true and i think it's something that that just comes from from thinking about things that don't exist, like thinking up things. And I, once you, once you need to explain something that doesn't exist to someone, you start to realize that, that that description is more important than the end execution sometimes, because the say like selling someone on an idea that doesn't exist comes down to how well you can describe it, you know? Yes. Um, That's a good we, point. Well, we do, we do a lot of pitches and, and our pitches are really beautiful. Like I've, <laughs> the first bunch that I was involved in, I kept questioning, why are they so, why is there so much in there? And it just turns out that most people are very visual, but when you listen to the creatives talking about the slides, they're telling a, a story and they have practiced that story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And whenever I'm involved, it's always me describing technology in a way that hasn't been done. So I need to be able to describe it to someone who can't see it. Yeah, yeah, I get you know? it. That's, that's the very fair observation. And maybe Nickelback would have taken you on if you had just. <laughs> I never got the phone call. Never got the I know phone who, call. I, you know, I know who to call. I just sometimes you have to save your your energy phone calls. No, uh, the phone call. I don't. I don't make every phone call that I could. Right. Well, like if you have a good connection, so it's got to be just right sometimes. I hear you. I actually, I, I totally hear you. you I know, tend not to use my connections. Well, and and the funny thing about the podcast is, you know, as I as I think about who would be a good guest, you know, like I I invited a friend of mine and he turned me down. He's like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't. If I have to do another podcast, it'll be like. You know, I might as well just die. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, have you heard my podcast? No, I can't stand podcasts, you know. And then so we had it. We had like I said, look, I'm not taking this personally. What don't you like about podcasts? And he says, well, I'm a visual person. I can watch Joe Rogan for an hour, but I can't listen to more than four minutes of you talking. And I, because he tried, he listened, tried to listen to an episode. And I was like, okay, well, that's a valid point. You know, like that's a, that's super valid. You, you just can't do audio. Right. And, and if he's listening to, to people talking, he can't concentrate on his work. So he has to listen to music when he's working. Right. Because we're all very different. Podcasts are a very. I listen, pay I listen to nothing when I work. Oh, I don't either. I actually don't. I don't, I don't listen to music. I don't, no, no, I can't. Music, no, yeah. nothing. Libs, Libs listen to music or podcasts and she's sewing and does her thing. But yeah. to me, podcasts were a commute thing. I get on the, get on the bus yeah. and, me too. And, and listen to people talking. And that's I mean, totally music. fine. I would listen to music, but right. it's a commute thing or 
sit uh, down. Driving from one place to another. And yeah. That's radio. I listen yeah. to the radio in the car. Oh, okay. And radio, radio during my coffee. Right, right, right. Yeah. So anyways, I don't know what I was trying to get at. I, I think it, oh, it was just because of the fact that it, it isn't a matter of, sometimes it's not a matter of um, using that phone call, you know? Like I reached out to somebody I knew that's a good friend and he turned me down. But on the other hand, there have been a lot of people that either I'm good friends with or know pretty well who have said yes, you included. And it's been, it's been so great to have that opportunity, you know? There's nothing wrong with asking. I just sometimes choose not to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess, especially if it's, it's especially if it's, no, no, no. I think it's especially if it's a favor. I think if you're asking for something from someone, it, it you need to be really judicious in how you do that. You know, like yeah. I, I don't look at, I don't look at inviting someone on the podcast as asking for a favor. That's no, not the same. That's not the same thing at all. But like asking to get results from someone, that's usually a pretty difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to accept, you know? Yeah, I don't like it. I do it, but I, just, <laughs> I don't like it. There are lots of things I don't like, though. <laughs> um, 20 years in advertising. Yeah, fuck it. photos for a gazillion photos. years, like since you were eight. Photos, yeah. I like photos a lot, but I don't... I wouldn't want to do one thing forever. And I don't like marketing enough anymore, mostly because uh, there are more jobs that I would not want to do than do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now it's a little probably changed in terms of, and I don't really like going to an office. Right. Which I didn't do for a long time and then I did for a while and then it just made me feel weird. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sure. I've been working from home for seven months. It's it's a it's definitely it's a different it's a different world. I do have a question though. Yeah. Have you made the the kind of moves uh, professionally that afford you the lifestyle of being capable of saying like I don't want to go to an office. I don't need to get a job. I don't need because my jobs are things I create. Like, is that have you created a lifestyle for yourself? Like. You know how I think the problem with advertising is is you grow into your salary. So as you as your salary increases, you all of a sudden have more expensive stuff and you do more expensive things. <laughs> you know what I mean? But have you I, sort of? I do not have expensive. This is what stuff. I'm saying. Like, have you sort of I, made your lifestyle I, equal to being more simplistic in your in your yes. uh, drive? You know? Yes. I my I'm married. I have no kids. I don't even have a dog anymore. My dog passed away years ago, and we live pretty simply. One yeah. of us, other than COVID, one of us is always working, or both of us are working. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a couple of trips, but I like my last trip was for work. I went to Thailand for a month. Yeah, and uh, it was someone else paid for it. Um, but it was work. Yeah. Uh, but I try to work in situations that allow me to do things that I like to do. If that. Yeah. I, I enjoy my life better that way. I, I know from experience that I'm always busy no matter where I am and what I'm doing, whether I'm working or not working. And some of those things always end up going back into work. If you right. know what I mean, like yep. it all focuses back into work, whether I'm in my garden and I'm, you know, clearing my mind. If I don't clear my mind, I can't work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I got burned out. I got burned out badly yep. for a long time. <laughs> I worked and really it's hard, hard to recover. It's, it's very hard to recover from that. Like it's, yeah, you know, I don't want to do it again. Yeah. Like, and I mean, your wife is in film, right? She's a, a yeah, production my wife, uh, person. My wife's uh, a background casting director. Okay, so yeah, um, but that, but that's a well, that's that's a very sort of, you know, it, she it works is from home. 
And she works so, from home. Yeah, right. so we set it up so we could work from our cottage or Toronto where or wherever. And yeah. we've been working remotely for, well, Megan has been working remotely for 23 years. Right. And I, other than a little stint, a few stints in an office for a few years, uh, I've been working on my own remotely for 15 years. Yeah. I'd say. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, and, and like there, to some of us, that's the dream. Yeah. And it used to be a lot more expensive, like to do it properly before we had five phone lines at one point. Right. So we could each be on the internet. She'd have a fax number, a phone number. No, I'm serious. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm laughing because I. It's, it, like it's ridiculous. Can you imagine, not- like, trying to, like, try, I'm just imagining someone who's in their early 20s listening to this conversation and going, five phone lines. Yeah. And, then, and then, and then going, fax. You know, like. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the building I am in, which is on an island off of. Uh, the city of Kingston and Lake Ontario. I'm in an old, uh, I'm, I'm in a rental cottage that my wife's family has been renting for over a hundred years. Right. In a community that existed before Confederation in Canada, which was uh, 1867. Uh, I have an outhouse at high speed. <laughs> Outhouse and satellite. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't have a TV. Oh, okay. Oh, I meant satellite, um, satellite internet. But. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I just got Bell. We just got a new tower here, so I, I was on um, cellular before. Oh wow! Until this year, made it work. It, it would sort of work. I had a better connection before, and then they took the tower down. I had to go backwards for a few years. Oh man. But yeah, working at home, you just kind of get set up and my wife and I, uh, she works on the second floor and I work in the basement. Right. And we separate in the morning. We probably have lunch together sometimes. And then we don't see each other again until the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, the, the main, my dog just started barking. The, the, the main thing about working from home is it's like, you're always working, you know, like you're either doing yes. your work or you're thinking about work or you're planning your work, you know, like one yes. of the most difficult parts of this, of this pandemic for people who actually enjoy going into an office every day is, is, is how do they separate themselves from, from their day to day, you know? Yeah. And after this many years, like you, I was going to say, you probably have great advice, but mostly it's going to be about setting a schedule and saying like you. I have no advice because I have no schedule. I get up and I work or I do something. I just try to be constructive. Yeah. And, you know, I I only have a couple jobs on the go right now and they don't take all my time up. And if they took all my time up, that would be bad news. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for, for what I have to do when right. I have to do it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, are, are you still running 10 plus one? Is that still your... 10 plus one is my, yeah, I call it my production company, 11 minus 10. Right. Uh, yeah, I do all my work through it. It's, uh, yeah, 20 years now. Is it 10plus1.com? I don't know. No, I don't have a website. Oh, no website. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't have a website. She must. No, she I must have bestido.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've already is, linked is, to that. I, more, I, go, I, know, I don't advertise 10plus1. It's just an email address. Right. That's uh, funny. I'm, I'm bestido.com for whatever that's worth. No, I've already, I've listed, I've linked to that actually. It's yeah, funny. Yeah. Um, well, Dave. I, I feel like unless I'm missing something, is there, is there something you feel like I've missed? Cause this is the opportunity to fill in that blank. If you, if there's something you feel like we haven't discussed, um, I'm no, totally. It's been a pleasure. I think we've been kind of jumped all over the place a little bit, but that's the uh, podcast. It, it's, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I hope uh, it wasn't too boring. Not at all. For the people, no, not for you, for the oh. people listening at oh, home. Oh shit. Well, yeah. I'm looking at you, but I'm like, you know, you're thinking about the, my life. the the countless hordes that are my life is kind of going to be listening to this in a month. You right? Know? They're going to be knocking down your door more and more. I want oh, more. that Dave Vestito guy. Go, I want more. Yeah. Of you. 
<laughs> I I am in every episode. So <laughs> right? that's the beauty of having your own podcast. There is there is no end. There is no end to me. Um, um, uh, let me see. Is there anything that I'd like to add? No, have a nice fucking day. Be <laughs> nice to people. Enjoy your life. Get lots of sleep. Eat well. I smoke, but you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question though about photography. Yeah, actually, this this because there are people who probably will they will look at the work and they will look at your sites and and look at the various links and and go like, well, how would how could I how could I do that? And what would be what would be I your pictures? Oh, yeah, take pictures. There's so many things that one can do. Okay, to take like start small concentrate on the basics just concentrate on having a good composition if and that is personal mm-hmm. you can't, like there's the rule of thirds and a whole bunch you can watch youtube videos to find out what good composition is technically but you need to practice it you need to actually have an eye and stop and think about it mm-hmm. don't worry about zooming in move your body don't like get a 50 millimeter lens if you have a DSLR and move your body and uh, learn what what a good exposure is and how you get the same exposure in different conditions, whether it's a big shutter, little shutter, or fast or slow, uh, and why you'd want different things, depth of field. I mean, there, there's a few basics that you kind of need to understand before I like to learn the basics before I fuck with them. <laughs> before messing with settings. <laughs> I know, yeah. Like, I always shoot manual. I've never shot really in any other settings. Right. I mean, some people shoot in all sorts of settings, but yeah. I'm pretty, I move all the buttons myself. Well, I mean, you're... I mean, you've shown a talent for it. I guess that's. Oh, thank you. You know, I you guess know, that's I, good. I, I wonder what I should have done for my life sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end on that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Dave. I really appreciate the conversation. Oh, you're most welcome, dude. That was, uh, that was really fun. Nice to see your face too. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content in this episode is copyright Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Intro voice is Jeff Wright. Opening and closing track is Watch Him They Said from the 2018 album Hypocritic Oath by Not Of. All inquiries can be directed to admin at cancellthispodcast.com.